drawn back to some of the same scriptures I've already taught on. But you know, at one point I thought, well, I have to have a different scripture every time. And I have come to the point where I realize you don't. The word of God is the word of God. (laughs) Whether you've heard it once or a hundred times, it's still the word of God. It still has the power within it. And sometimes you just have to keep stirring up that same word because the secret or the seed that God wants to implant into your heart is found in that word. And you've got to hear it sometimes a few times. We've commented about this before in church, how, you know, I can teach on a series or whatever, and I spend months teaching, and it's such a good word, and people are like, yeah, 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 this is a good word, and then somebody comes in, a guest speaker or whatever, and and they teach one little message, and they happen to use it, and people go, wow, was that ever good? And I think, I just spent six months teaching this. But hey, that's all right. If it took the six months of prep time to get it to grow, then let's get it to grow now, and let's move on. Amen? So this morning, too, if you think, well, I've heard this message before, yeah, you probably haven't because I didn't write it before. (laughs) (laughs) Are parts of it in there that I may have taught at other times? Probably. But why? Because it's the season. It's the season that we're in, and this is the word that I believe God wants to bring at this time to the church. My message this morning is entitled... More than you thought possible. And I think that's something that we have to start raising our sights. To start saying, what is possible? We have so many things that will limit us. Well, I don't come from the right background. I don't have the right education. I don't have the right this. I don't have the right that. I don't have the right. And we start limiting ourselves. And I believe God wants to do in this day more than you ever thought was possible. He wants to go ahead and take you into places and doing things that you never would have realized that you could do. Now this morning during prayer, one of the words that came out, or which I felt the Lord was speaking, was that God wants, and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, God wants to, you know, when you bring you into the promised land, you come into your destinies, the first thing was the circumcision ceremony. And as we all talked about, as pleasant as that may seem, it's not always that pleasant. Except in the modern day, in the New Testament, God is saying, I want to circumcise your heart. Oh, that sounds like a lot more fun, doesn't it? I want to cut chunks out of your heart. (laughs) I want to take stuff that you thought, attitudes that you have held dear, maybe strongholds that have been built into your life from how who knows how long, and I want to take those things out now, and I want to take that heart of stone and turn it back into a heart of flesh. It sounds easy. (laughs) The end result is when you go through the pain and you go through the turmoil and you go through whatever else you got to go through to get there, the end result is when you are finished with it, you are now ready to be fully used by the Lord. Now, how important is it to keep your heart in the right place? Utmost important. Solomon in all of his wisdom says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In fact, everything in this life is going to come from what is in your heart. And you know, people often talk about, well, I don't understand why everybody's always trying to rip me off. What's in your heart? Well, I don't understand why nobody wants to be my friend. What's in your heart? Because out of the heart is where the issues of life come from. But if you have stuff in your heart, you might very well be self-sabotaging. And a lot of Christians even, they'll do that. 
Somebody tries to be friendly and they immediately start putting the wrong motives on them. Well, they're just out to get something. They're just out to that. They're just, so what? You don't have to let them get anything from you. You have to love them. And as you love them, you're going to find out whether this is a relationship that's ever going to go somewhere or not. You don't make that determination on the first meeting. Wow, these are really nice people. They can have my bank accounts. They can have my life. They can have everything they want because they're really nice people. And you don't know what they're like until you get to find out what they're really after. But you keep your heart in a place where it is pliable and where it is sensitive and you can reach out. That doesn't mean you have to look at everybody with suspicion. It means you say, okay, Father, you show me what to do here. How important is it? Well, there was a whole tribe of priests that end up getting taken out of the priesthood. And God said, because you have chosen to minister to people rather than to me, you're not going to come back into my presence anymore. I wonder if something like that has afflicted the church sometimes today. People go to church and it seems like they hear the word of God week after week and year after year and nothing happens. Now we know the word has power. The Bible says every word of God will accomplish that to which it has been sent. So we know the word has power, but something seems to be causing that word not to grow in the lives of the people that hear it. Huh? And I'm not talking about like the important stuff. We all know we have to love. Amen? And we'll give lip service to that even if we don't do it. (laughs) Right? Well, I may love you, but that doesn't mean I have to like you. (laughs) We've heard tithing for a hundred years. And the word washes over our water. Oh, like duck, duck, yeah. And we go, oh no, that doesn't matter. We've heard about all the different things in Christian life and the Christian dynamics and how to be a disciple of Christ. And we know all of those things. And it doesn't affect our life. We know what's setting our priorities. If your eye is single, your whole body is single and your body is full of light. We know that, amen? Anybody here that never heard that scripture? About your eye being single? We know what. And yet we get distracted so quickly. Oh yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you, God. I'm going to walk with you. Oh, squirrel! (laughs) Why? I wonder sometimes if our hearts have come to a point where God's saying, until you want it, you're not getting it anymore. Oh. It's a heavy price to pay, staying out of the presence of the Lord. There's a saying that says, if you can read and won't, you're no better off than the man that can't. If you can get into the presence of the Lord and won't, You're no better off than the man that can't or doesn't. Come on, let's not all sit so quiet. The rest of the message is going to be really nice and easy. (laughs) Last year, we spent the year contending or end of the year contending for the dreams and the goals that God had given us. Well, this year, we were living in the fulfillment of those promises, those destinies. Like we said, there's going to be a battle, and I expect that battle to be there. I expect, however, that each one of us is going to be able to move through that battle. And a lot of times we maybe think, we're, you know, we're facing Satan and we're facing the enemy and we're doing this. And this part actually came to me this morning during prayer. And a lot of times what we're fighting is us. It's that flesh that has to be cut off. 
It's that attitude of the heart that has to change. Why do you want to be prosperous? So we can buy more toys? And there's nothing wrong with having toys. I love having toys. I have this cute remote at home. <laughs> no. <laughs> we love toys, and there's nothing wrong with having our toys, but we cannot let our toys take over the foremost place in our life. Why do we want to be prosperous? Why do we want to be healthy? So I can sin stronger? Or do we want to be healthy so we can serve the Lord better? See, our attitude is that they're often in the wrong place, and we need to get that heart attitude. When that heart attitude comes back into place, then all of a sudden these things start flowing and moving properly, and the battle is no longer gone. See, once I have decided that I will follow Jesus, then I don't have to make that decision every day anymore because that decision was made from now till eternity. I've talked about this before. There's certain things you don't have to worry about when you decide to follow Christ. Amen? Why? Because I'm a Christian. I don't steal. I'm a Christian. I don't lie. I'm a Christian. I don't have to worry about killing my neighbor. Some days. (laughs) Why? I'm a Christian. There's a code of conduct that the Spirit of God is holding me to that I want to obey and I want to follow. Come on. But when our hearts are still circumvented with flesh, then all of a sudden our hearts aren't able to speak to us so clearly and we've got to start dealing with some of those fleshly attitudes saying, okay, this is time to get rid of that. And like I said, I talked about this two weeks ago. Didn't the youth did a great job last week? I was impressed. Do you know the praise and worship was good? The word that was taught was good. The food that we served was good. It was a good time. We raised over $900 for missions last week. It was good. It's exciting. It was all a good time, and I'm just so blessed that we have a youth like that. I'm so blessed. You know, when, I, when David taught that word, I thought, too, like, oh, wow, he's taught a good word here. I'm, get, I'm, I'm actually getting excited about some of the stuff now that I see happening because finally I'm starting to see, you know, there's people that can step up. Like, what would happen now if we wanted to start another church? We got people that could teach. Kelly has been teaching on Tuesday, doing an absolutely wonderful job. Pastor Brian, Al, teaching, doing some great, great teaching, great word. You know, stuff is coming along. We can say, hey, we're ready. But this wasn't there a while ago. People that were like standing and saying, hey, we're there. And, and to me, that's all exciting, just to be able to say, like, this is all something that we're moving into. And I believe that might very well be part. And don't know, I'm not saying that we're going to st- open another church this year. But it could very well be part of our destiny and saying, okay, now we are prepared. Now we are ready. Because, of course, what happens if there's only one main pastor in the church and he does all the speaking and everything else, then the minute he's gone, guess what happens? That church is now struggling. Amen? That's off topic, so I'll get back on topic here. So this year we're living in the fulfillment of those promises and we're getting ready to face the battle that is going on. 
One of the things that Pastor Jerry and I like, or I enjoy, or we do it a lot anyway, so I enjoy it at least. <laughs> I'm assuming she does, she never argues. <laughs> I enjoy watching... <laughs> I enjoy watching a lot of the shows, the self-improvement shows. You know, like the people that are 800, 900 pounds and they get on the show and they get told they're going to have to lose 600 pounds and they're weeping and wailing and gnashing their teeth and saying, it's impossible. I can't do it. You're going to have to start, well, I can't walk. (laughs) You're going to have to start getting some exercise. I can't exercise. You're going to have to cut back. I can't cut back on my food. I hardly eat. (laughs) Honey, let me tell you, you didn't get that size by not eating. Except now when it's supposed to be undone, all of a sudden they're busy crying and then usually the doctor or whoever, the supervisor comes in and says, of course you can and you're going to have to or I'm not going to. And they go through all of the stuff and, and finally the person has lost 200 pounds and they start going, hey, I just lost 200 pounds. And all of a sudden they start walking little distances and then they start walking further and they start getting involved and going to the gym and you know you see them on a treadmill after a while and all of a sudden you go, okay, what happened here? They thought they couldn't do it but they didn't know that they had the ability to do it. All they needed was a little bit of motivation and a little bit of help. You know, there's an awful lot of programs like that out there and I enjoy most of them as long as they're clean. You know, where people are overcoming challenges and they're going out and, you know, they're doing the wilderness experience or whatever and they're living in a place where nobody thought they could live and they're um, building stuff that nobody thought they could build or, or they're accomplishing and, you know, are getting fit and they're getting different stuff that's happening. And, and it's always the same. They start off thinking it's impossible. I could never do this. I could never do that. And then throughout the program, they start getting taught that, yes, you have, and they start getting their thinking changed. Well, once the thinking has changed, then the rest of it starts coming into line. And I think that's the same thing that happens in the body of Christ. God gives us the word because he wants our thinking to change. Now, I know that sounds an awful lot like Romans 12, verse 2, which says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what is the good and the perfectly acceptable will of God. So God wants your thinking changed. He wants you to start looking at the possibilities instead of the impossibilities. He wants you to start seeing that with God, all things are possible, and yet it takes the change between the ears first, where we start recognizing that these things could be, that these things could be done. Well, everybody gets excited about the idea of stepping into our God-given destinies, but seeing the fulfillment of those things may very well depend on how badly you want to live in the extraordinary life that God has for you. Every one of those shows starts off with the one with the L on their forehead. I can't move, I can't stop, I can't get out of bed, I can't, and usually at the end of the first show, they're sent home. Now some of them go a certain distance and then they hit that point where they say it can't happen, I can't do this, I can't do that, it's impossible for me, and then they go home. 
Well, a lot of times as Christians, I think we do exactly that same thing. We keep telling ourselves, I can't, so long that God says, then don't. A lot of your stepping into your destinies is very well going to depend on how badly you want it. Often the only reason one person achieves something that another one doesn't has to do with the, not with the level of the ability, not with their background, not with their training, but it has to do with the desire. The only difference is the level of desire that they have. And that's why I'm going to ask you now, how badly do you want to live in the dreams, the goals, the plans that God has put into your heart, saying this is the stuff that you could fulfill? How badly do you want to do that? Because that's going to determine how much of it you get or if you ever get any of it. See, when you want something, when you desire something seriously enough, when you are determined that I have to have this, you will then take whatever resources are necessary to make it come to pass. It's no longer a question of, well, if this and this. It is a question of when. A number of years ago when Dieter was leaving for Bible school, he came to talk to me and say, well, you know, he couldn't afford it and this and that. And I said, Dieter, stop it. You probably remember that conversation. I said, if God has called you, you're not sitting there saying, I don't know how I'm going to do it. You keep saying, I when am I doing it? He went to school that fall. Why? Because God didn't call you in the middle of the lake to say, oh, sorry. <laughs> he brought you out there because he wants to bring you through. When God has placed a dream or a goal or something into your life, the only thing stopping you from achieving it is because you're not wanting it as much as God wants it for you. A couple of years ago, I kept saying, I gotta lose weight, I gotta lose weight, I gotta lose weight, I gotta lose weight, I gotta lose weight. And it became this cute little refrain that I could have made like into a nursery rhyme or something. Until the day I said, okay, something's gotta be done, and I lost 40 pounds. I look at my old pictures now, I think, man, I was round there. Even my face was round. <laughs> Durr. <laughs> See, we have this, how badly do you desire it? Because if you want to lose weight, guess what? There's some things you're going to have to do. It's a simple formula. Use more calories than you take in. I even tried it on my dogs. Worked on them too. Simple, but you got to want it. You got to want it more than that bag of chips while you're watching TV. You got to want it more than that extra dessert. You got to want it more than that soda pop or whatever it is your weakness is. And when you start following that, all of a sudden what happens is you start losing weight and people say, wow, you're so lucky that you can lose weight. Luck has nothing to do with this. This is done because I can learn how to zip my lips. Or as the Bible says, put a knife to my throat. <laughs> See, we can talk about it forever. But how badly do you want it? How badly do you want to be out of debt? Then what are you doing? Well, I have to reward myself somehow. 
Set your reward at specific times. Once this is paid off, then we will reward ourselves. Once that's done, then we're going to require a reward. Once this is finished, I'll have a reward. How badly do you want it? So when you're passionate about something, you reach down on the inside of yourself and you find strength reserves that you might not even have known that were there in the first place. When you start reaching down on the inside of you and all of a sudden you start finding out you can do a whole bunch of stuff that you never knew you could do. That's the one thing I like about those shows. They always have to come to that point where all of a sudden they reach down inside of themselves and they say, I can do this. And sometimes it's with tears and sometimes it's with screaming and sometimes it's whatever. But they're pushing through now because this is the time that I have set my goal and this is the time where I'm going to reach that goal and anything that hinders me from coming to that goal is going to have to bow down to my desire. But see, we don't feel that passionately about a lot of stuff. So you discover that you can give out more effort than you even realized you had. You take steps that you would not have thought you could take. But that's what desire does. You start recognizing, okay, I want to go on a winter vacation. I want to take a week. I want to take two weeks or whatever I want to take. And I want to go on a winter vacation. Well, you don't do it the day you're supposed to leave. You start planning ahead and you start getting money ready. You start getting the ticket spot. You start doing this. You start doing that. Until finally when the day comes, your desire has brought you to the point. You get on the plane and you forget about all of it for two weeks. Amen? What happened? Desire. Your desire was strong enough to accomplish what you wanted. And all of a sudden you started reaching to a different level. Your desire pushes you beyond what you think you can do. And all of a sudden you're capable of doing something and accomplishing an awful lot more than you ever thought we could. But it comes down to how much do we want it? When we wanted to buy our first house, we had no money. Banks want money before they want to give you money. <laughs> Simple formula. If you can show me you don't need it, you can have all you want. <laughs> so I went and I talked to the banker, and he says, all oh, this and this and this. He says, there has to be this and this much money. And if you don't have this down payment, then we can't give you a loan. I said, Okay. Now, I could get mad at the banker and say, oh, stupid banker, he's just not, no. I said, okay, so what, how, how do I do that then? If you know what needs to be done, then you're going to have to teach me how to do it. Well, he says, somewhere you're going to have to come up with this amount of money. And I says, well, I can borrow that much money. <laughs> nope, that doesn't count. <laughs> you got to have that money before. I said, oh, Okay. So what do we do? And he says, well, could your father give you some money? <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought of that. But I phoned mom and dad, and they said, yeah, they could. They would take out a loan in their name. They would give that to me, and we would be responsible for the payments if we wanted to buy a house. Why? Because we had nothing. We bought a house. Paid my parents off before the loan was even due. 
there was a way. Now, if we would have sat back and said, oh, well, we can't do it. There's just no way we can do it. We would be renting. We'd probably have gone from a three-bedroom apartment down to a two-bedroom by now. And we'd be complaining because everybody else is getting ahead and God is never doing anything for us. Sometimes you make your opportunity. How badly do you want it? And apply this to any part of your life. Apply this to any part of your life. How badly do you want it? Do you want it bad enough to make the sacrifices for it? Because it's worth having. There's going to have to be some sacrifices that you're going to have to make. See, if we are one of those people whose heart's desire is to live above the ordinary, we're going to have to find out how to do it. Aren't you fortunate you have me as your pastor because I'm going to tell you how to do it today. (laughs) In Psalm 37, verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So the key to achieving the desires of your heart is by by delighting yourself in the Lord. And that is done by seeking him, by reading his word, by praying, by learning to think his thoughts, by acting on his word. When you delight yourself in him, then you are willing to say, Lord, here are my desires. This is what I want to do, but I am asking you to show me what to do and how to do it. This is what is in my heart, Father, but I know that if you place this in my heart, then there has to be a way that you can do it. And then he's going to give you a path, but now you get to decide, do I follow that path or am I going to try something else that works better because it makes sense to my own head? I know I've shared with you my testimony at different times, little parts of it here and there. When we bought the shop, it was the same thing. It was not saying, Lord, you know, and I can't afford, you've got to do this and this. It was saying, okay, Lord, how do we do it? Not trying to tell him what was going to happen, but saying, how do we do this? And all of a sudden, it was there. Now, this goes against the world's concept of not having time to serve God because... We were busy building our own empires. How could I possibly take time to read and to study and to meditate and to pray when I'm so busy being successful? But that success falls apart very quickly. If it's not based on God's word, if it is not seeking after God first, then that success, and, and, and please don't get me wrong. There's a lot of Christians that they got the words, but they don't have the heart. Lord willing, we're going to do this, and Lord willing, we're going to do that, except it's got nothing to do with the Lord. It's what they want. Are we willing to be Lord willing? What's that? See, when we're ready to live at the exceptional levels with God, we're going to need to know some practical steps that we can take to step outside of our comfort zone and fulfill our dreams because you're never going to get your dreams fulfilled as long as you stay in your comfort zone. Now, I know that sounds harsh. It's truth. Your dreams will never be fulfilled. Everybody that has ever achieved something beyond the normal has had to reach out beyond the place where they were comfortable. They never got it staying and doing the same thing everybody else did. You know, one Eagle had to soar above all the others to find out, hey, well, there's a more up here. 
One pilot had to be willing to break through the sound barrier before they realized that the sound barrier wasn't going to kill you. Even though his plane started shaking and it looked like it was coming down, he said, okay, tell my wife and my family I love them, and he pulled the throttle back. <laughs> he didn't know who was coming back. But he had a desire to find out. Chuck Yeager. If you don't have that desire to find out, if you don't have that desire to move beyond where you are living, if you're not willing to leave the comfort zone behind, you're never going to get into the promises that God has for you because the promises that God has for you are not found in Egypt. They're found in Canaan. And we hold back. Well, I don't know why God never does nothing for me. God has already done everything for you that He's going to do. He sent His Son to take your place on the cross. He sent His Holy Spirit to fill you and give you power so that you could boldly say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. He could boldly say, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, and I can do all things through Him. You could boldly say that nothing can hinder me from the plan of God, because if God before me, who shall be against me but you're going to have to do that and then you're going to have to believe it and then you're going to have to step out on it I have read so many stories over the years and some of them just really tickle me one of them I can remember this younger woman her husband had left her she had some kids to raise and she says I got to be able to support my family so she started a cupcake business baking cupcakes Except now, she's selling cupcakes around the world and people are ordering her cupcakes. I have never yet tried one. I don't know what they taste like because I'm just not sure that it'll be worth it. Once I'm more in love with the idea of how good they must be that people order them from all over. I don't want that spoiled. I'm okay. <laughs> But you know, you hear these stories time and time again where women, or a lot of times with women, you know, they've been left in a place where there was just nothing. They would have been destitute. They would have been behind. And then they took a God-given idea. And they started a company of some sort. And all of a sudden, that company ended up becoming a multi-million dollar business. And, and all of a sudden, they stepped out of a place where the world was trying to push them. And they said, no, I'm not staying there. I've been made for more than this. And the next thing you know, they moved into a whole new territory. And you're going like, what is going on here? This is impossible. They're, everything is against them they have no husband their children are dependent upon them they don't have a business degree they don't have this they don't have that they don't have startup costs they don't have and they're rich You watch these shows like The Greatest Loser and you find out that people at 900 pounds can get back down to under 300 pounds when they're willing to put in the effort and listen to the counsel that's being given. You see all of these things and you hear these success stories and you go, what happened here? Somebody stepped into a place where they were no longer comfortable. Somebody said, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life in a coffee shop complaining that it's all against me and nobody loves me. Somebody said, I'm getting out of the coffee shop and I'm getting to work. As comforting as my bed is, it's not going to do anything for me in the long run. I will get out of my comfort zone in the morning. 
And if that leads me to work in the night shift, then I will stay in there all day. Why? Because until you're willing to step out of that comfort zone, you're going to make excuses instead of ways. If we're not willing to get out of our comfort zone, we're going to find all of the excuses why it didn't work for me, but it worked for everybody else. But anybody that's listening is going to know very quickly that what you're doing is pouring out excuses instead of actual abilities. What are you doing? To push through means we're going to have to leave our comfort zone, or another word of saying it, is you're going to have to get out of your boat. So there's a time where Jesus and his disciples were in a desert place outside the city of Bethsaida. It was late in the day, and they had a multitude. They just fed a multitude of people with five loaves of bread and two little fishes. And then Jesus told his 12 disciples to get into the boat to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He sent the people away. He went up on the mountainside to pray. So the disciples get off on the water, and they're heading off to the other side. Jesus is praying first. But as they're going across the lake or the sea, a strong wind comes up, and the waves start throwing the boat around, tossing the boat around. And at about three in the morning, it said, Jesus starts walking towards them on the water. He heads towards them, walking on the water. Now the disciples saw him and they were terrified. I don't know what our reaction would be if we were in a boat in the middle of even Lake Winnipeg and the storm was raging and the wind was blowing and the waves were crashing down all around us and all of a sudden somebody came walking out to us (laughs) on the water. Think of what your reaction might be. They were terrified. They thought he was a ghost. So Jesus called out and told them, don't be afraid. And you can find the story in Matthew 14, 13 to 32. Now Peter and two of the other disciples are fishermen. That means they would have spent hours in their boats on the water. That's what fishermen do. They can sit there all day and be happy or they put their nets out but they're spending hours on the water you know that they are they're not sitting on land they're sitting on the water so you could say the boats were their comfort zone that's what they've gotten used to that's what they've become comfortable with it would certainly not have been their first time on the water during a storm if they've been fishing for any length of time Now, even though the waves were big, these fishermen were in their element. They're at home. Ah, we've been through a bigger one than this. Yeah, just turn into the waves and you'll be okay. (laughs) Oh, hold it, whatever. And then suddenly from out of nowhere, here comes somebody walking towards them on the water. Now, water, walking on water was no more common then than it is now. You know, there wasn't cases where everybody used to walk around on the water in the Old Testament or New Testament even. There was no more common then than now. And yet here he is walking on the water. So none of the 12 disciples had ever seen anything like this before. None of them could have turned back and said, oh, well, this is like when James did this. No, no, this was the first time it had happened. 
Jesus walking on the water was doing something they didn't expect. And that's just like God, doing the unexpected. You know, Kelly just finished teaching this John Bevere course or facilitating this John Bevere course. And one of the comments he made, he says, when you figure out a way that God could do something, you had usually found another way he's not doing it. <laughs> because if you already thought about it, he said, I'm going to go back to doing it that way. So the disciples shouldn't have been surprised to see Jesus doing something that they had never seen before. And many times the things he did were unusual and they were out of the ordinary. You know, when Jesus is out making, you know, fishes and loaves, turning to feed 5,000 and 10,000, and when Jesus is doing different, you know, this is not ordinary. When he's healing blind eyes, when he's healing, um, you know, withered hands, when he's, this is not ordinary stuff. So they should have been used to the idea already that Jesus was going to do something different than what they were used to. So there's 12 disciples in the boat, and Peter was the only one that walked on water out of those 12. He was different. He is a spirit that we should all have. He said, I'm not staying where it's comfortable. I see Jesus doing something amazing. And if that's you, Lord, and I want to walk on water with you. I don't need the boat as long as I have you. If I have your presence, Jesus, I can let go of my comfort zone. And the problem with a lot of Christians is they don't recognize the presence of God, so they hold on to their comfort zone. They don't recognize the greatness of God. They don't recognize how amazing God is. They don't recognize the unlimited power of God. So we got to hold back into something that we can control or something that we can do ourselves or something where we can feel safe. Peter was more secure on the water with Jesus than the disciples were in the boat without him. One wave could have filled that boat and they would have all gone down, or could have all gone down. But Jesus was, uh, Peter was standing with Jesus when he took his eyes off Jesus and said, Lord, save me. All Jesus had to do was reach out and pick him back up. And then they walked back to the boat together. So I don't know how far he got, but far enough that they walked back together. But you have to get out of your comfort zone. And if your comfort zone is your bed, you're going to have to get over it twice. For sure. <laughs> so he walked. <clears throat> the easiest thing for Peter to do would have been to stay in the boat like the other disciples. Jesus did not say, okay, Peter, get out here. Peter said, Lord, if it was you, I want to come to you. And they said, okay, then come. <laughs> The easiest thing would have been for Peter to stay in the boat where everybody else was. They were comfortable. They were content to stay together in a nice little group. They understood each other. They knew about fishing. They knew about each other. This would have been the best place to stay at that time. But not for Peter. He was not going to sit in a boat while Jesus was walking on water. He wanted to be where Jesus was. He wanted to do what Jesus was doing. He showed that if you want to see Jesus work in a new way, you're going to have to be prepared to do a new thing. Huh? See, if Jesus had said, come, and Peter had said, ah, uh, yeah, not so much. <laughs> Can you promise me that I'll be okay, Jesus? His word come was your promise. Oh, let's find the word. Where's the word about walking on water? God's word was come. Plain and simple. 
come. That word come carried all the power in it that it needed to accomplish whatever that word had been sent to do. And that word had been sent to get Peter out of the boat. So there was enough power in obeying that one word to get him to walk on water. Come. See, we always want it explained. Let's understand it all. See, once I can explain it and write a few theses on it, and maybe if I can dissect it and read whatever and this and that and cross-reference and everything, then maybe we'll come. One word from the Lord could do more in your life than 10 years of Bible study, if it's a rhema word. It takes both faith and obedience to produce something new. Peter would not have stepped out of that boat if he had not had both. See, a lot of people talk about their faith, but they have no obedience. Oh, I have great faith. What are you doing with it? Because if it's not working for you, you don't have faith yet. You have knowledge. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. To be faith, you have to work on it. You have to step on it. You've got to move on it. Peter had faith, and he stepped out of that boat, and he started walking on water. Now, he would not have stepped out if he hadn't had them both. See, we can all have all the faith we want, but until we act on what we believe, nothing happens. I'm going to use John and Jessica because they shared the testimony. John and Jessica had a dream to farm, to have a place where they could have bison. They talked about this for a while at the place that they had before. And he said, well, it's this, and maybe I can get some land there, and the guy can maybe use that guy's land, and on and on and on. Different plans, different things, and then all of a sudden this other piece of property came up. They had a choice to make. Oh, we'll have to make more payments. Oh, I don't know if we can do that. That's so much more land. I don't know if we're ready. I don't know. I don't know. This, this could be that. Well, maybe we should just stay here. Or they could step out. And if they hadn't stepped out, guess what they'd be doing right now? They'd be living at the same place. Mm-hmm. And then slowly the dreams would die out. And one day, John would be talking to Eli and saying, yeah, your dad was going to raise buffalo at one time. And Eli would say, well, how come you didn't, Dad? And John would turn around and say, well, God just didn't open the door. Have you ever heard that? The door was putting that dream in your heart. What are you willing to do? How badly do you want to desire that? Another show I like is Judge Judy. <laughs> I have heard this several times when somebody comes and says, yeah, but I want this and this and this. And she said, I want to be nine or so five, nine and whatever. I'm not getting my dream either. <laughs> I want to be five, nine. So that's it. <laughs> What are you going to do? How much do you want? How much do you desire? 
See, John and Jess had to go in and they had to sign papers and they had to arrange a loan and they had to do this and they had to do that and they had to say okay and they had to take that step because if they had not taken the step, they could have stayed in their comfort zone. They had, what, 10 acres where you were? They had... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were told it was impossible. But that doesn't mean it was impossible with God. That meant it was impossible with man. Can't do it. But God can. See, the dreams that God has given you, if you can do them on your own, you're probably not dreaming God dreams yet. You're probably just dreaming dreams that you can come up with. How badly do you want it? Are you willing to put action to what you want to believe? I know when Dan started his business, it was the same thing. We talked, and he's like, well, this and that, and then a building came up. Well, do I buy it? Well, of course. You You know, he had to go buy it. Different investments, different buildings he's had to buy. He, they didn't just fall on his lap. You know, he didn't wake up one day and God had dropped the title deed to this property onto his table so he could get up in the morning over breakfast, read it, and find out if it was a suitable now. I know it didn't happen that way. When we got our business, we didn't just get it by sitting there. We still had to step in. We still had to say yes. We still had to say, okay, we're willing to extend ourselves now. We're willing to quit our other job. I'm willing to step into something new, not knowing what it holds, but knowing who holds it. What do you want? How badly do you want it? As we stand here, having moved into our destinies this year, we need to ask ourselves, what about me? (laughs) Am I stuck in the boat? If I am, what can I do to step out? A couple of suggestions would include stuff like doing stuff you haven't done. Go pray for the sick. If you know somebody that's sick, ask them and come pray for them. And then watch them recover. And it doesn't have to be in church. There's sick people all over. You can pray for people anywhere and expect God to move. Now, if you started into financial freedom, you might have to ask God and say, okay, God, where do I sow to take me to the next level? Where do I go, Father, now to take me to the next level, seeing I have already come this far, but now I want to go to the next place. What can I do to take me from here to there? It might be letting go of my comfort. When we started the church and we finally felt God, finally, felt like finally. At that time, it didn't feel like finally. It was much too soon. But when God called us and said, okay, it's time to get into the church more, it was like, okay, God, now what do I do with the shop? And he said, close it. Oh. The shop was making a good living for us. 20-some years ago, I was earning more in the shop than I am today. <laughs> and God said, close it. Okay, God, I've got a better idea. I'll sell it. And yet as I started getting ready to sell it, I was like, no. I said, close it. And I thought, that God, that makes, <laughs> it doesn't make sense, God. So we closed it. And immediately God opened some other doors and I was able to work through a transition period and different things happened. And while I was there one day, I heard something. The owner of that shop made the comment 
I never knew a shop could make this much money. Now, they were a successful shop. And God said, that's why you had to close it. Otherwise, people would have said you were stealing by not, because if nobody else can do that. So you have to practice the spiritual principles about running a business and about doing it properly and keeping, you know, that all was part of it. And if you're not going to follow those principles, then the path isn't there as clearly. Now you're dodging around, trying to avoid potholes. Instead of just walking forward. And then God says, that's why I wanted you to close it, to keep your reputation. See, what would have happened if somebody said, oh yeah, he sold us the shop and the books were cooked because there's no way they could have done this and that. Except our books were at the accountant every year. It was all verified. What was being done was right. We got audited and the government says there's actually stuff you're not even counting on that you could take. But that wouldn't be the story going around if somebody had bought it and was unable to keep that up. You know something? We've never missed that money we could have made because we never had it. Are you willing to step out? How badly do you want what God is calling you to? Do you want it enough to go start doing something about it? Or are you going to sit there and complain because it's not happening to you and it happens to everybody else? <clears throat> A couple of suggestions have been praying for people. It doesn't just have to be in church. If you started financial freedom, you might have to learn to give even when it seems impossible because those times will come. And you feel like there is just absolutely no way we can do this, God. But you don't question it. Why? Because I have decided. I know that I am following Jesus and I believe this is his way. And when Pastor Jerry and I got married, I won't even tell you the income we were living on at that time, the two of us. And we had, Kelly White probably still remember this, before, beside the phone in the kitchen was a little corkboard, and on that corkboard was always an offering envelope. Why? So that every time money came in, we could instantly put the tithe in so we wouldn't be tempted to keep it. Why? Because we had decided to follow Jesus. When we got married, we decided we're going to establish our home on God's principles and nothing else. Was it? For seed. That was seed. Find a penny laying on the ground, put it up, and run to the envelope with throat the envelope because now we had seed yet, too, on top of our tithe. <laughs> Did I want to live that way? I didn't want to live that way because... A couple of years before that, I was driving brand new Lincoln Eldorado, living in a 1,200-square-foot penthouse apartment. Was it different? It was different. But when God does a work with you, you go with where God is going. See, when God starts taking you on a path, you know he has something much better for you than you could ever have on yourself. But you've got to be willing to step out. You've got to be willing to want God's way. Because if you don't want God's way, then you're never going to make the sacrifices that have to be made. If you want to lead, you may have to know how to follow. You may have to find out the vision of the place. You
You might have to make a covenant that is based on sacrifice. See, the Bible talks about through sacrifice, we have made covenant. You might have to make a covenant based on sacrifice. Maybe, oh, and I know this is a little bit on the edge, maybe a bit wild. You might have to get your focus off of yourself (laughs) and onto somebody else's desires and needs. Now, I know that one's stretching, but I was wanting another line I had to fill. (laughs) 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 Because I think a lot of what stops people from ever reaching forward is what if I'm uncomfortable? What if I'm not happy? What if this doesn't work? What if that? What if the next? And it's all about me. Now, we've all heard the acronym for joy, amen? Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And yet, so many are such bad spellers. It's yourself, Jesus, and others. Now, where's the joy? It's sort of messed up. Heavenly Father is going to help you overcome whatever is keeping you in the boat, if that's what you want. But then you're going to have to obey what he tells you to do. When God starts giving you directions, they're not optional. God says you want to be blessed, give, and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaking together, running. Oh, no, no, I'm going to have a prayer meeting. God says pray for the sick and they will recover. Well, what if they don't? Then I'd look stupid, so I'm not going to go do that. Why is that person staying sick? Maybe you should be praying instead of talking about how sick they are. It might help more. Come on. Now you can have all the faith in the world, but it will accomplish nothing if you are not obedient to what God is telling you to do. Why? Because faith without works is dead, according to James. And people sit there and I hear this so regularly. Oh, we have great faith. We have great faith. We have great faith. What are you doing with it? Because if you have seed as a grain of mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain and say, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and it's going to happen. What is your faith doing for you? See, Saskatchewan, they got lots of faith. They got no mountains left. (laughs) We have one. (laughs) But that passed off in there. We're catching up. (laughs) Now, Bert, on the other hand, well... <laughs> What's your faith doing? Well, I have great faith. Then use it. Why? Because when Jesus goes on with that parable, the faith is a grain of mustard seed, it's not talk, it's talking about planting it and watching it grow and becoming bigger. If you keep it in your little container as a seasoning, it's not going to do much good. See, it's time to get out of the boat. We've been in our comfort zone far too long. It's time to take a step of faith, and if we're going to enjoy being with Jesus and doing what he's doing, then we're going to have to risk the disappointment and the frustration because sometimes that could happen. Now think of how scary it must have been for Peter to put his leg over the side of the boat and jump down onto the water in the middle of a storm. All of a sudden, that gunwheel's in the rear. And you can't still touch the water. But he had to do it. 
Why? Because Jesus had come and there was enough power in that word to fulfill what he needed. See, we like to think, oh, we would have jumped out of the boat. (laughs) Fear can stop anybody from taking risks. Put yourself in Peter's position. He risked everything when he stepped into the unknown and he did something that only one other man had ever done, and that was walk on water. When God tells you to do something, be willing to take the risk because usually it's going to be after you step out that the Lord shows you the new thing that he wants to do. It wasn't until after I moved to Winkler that I began to see the plan that God had for me and see it start to take the shape. I knew I was called to the ministry. I knew it had to do with Winkler. But it was in Winkler where the word came and said, I will bless thee in the land which I swore unto your fathers to give you. We started the church in Plum Coulee before I ever found out that the Buellers settled in Plum Coulee when they moved to Canada. I will bless you in the land which I swore unto your fathers to give you. We had to come home. See, I thought it meant the Mennonite people because we were of a Mennonite background, this or that. Yeah, I thought God was much more specific than that. He knew the land that he had given to our fathers. That's why when I drive down past Frieden's Rue, I think it is Frieden's Felt, Frieden's Colony. Is it Frieden's Rue Colony? Blumenfeld Colony. Whatever, there's one out there. <laughs> you drive past there a little bit and you're going to find there's a graveyard in the ditch. Or headstones at least. When you go read it, it says the Bühler Geschwister. Guess where our our homeland was. (laughs) And then they all split up and now they're in the ditch. (laughs) That's what happens. If you don't want to follow, you end up in the ditch. (laughs) They did follow. (laughs) We have a history of a lot of ministers and stuff in our background. They followed. But if we don't obey God and we stay where we are, we become frustrated, we become discontented and nothing helps anymore. And then we start blaming everybody else because if I'm not happy, it's got to be Pastor Brian's fault. (laughs) Well, what did he have to do with it? Well, he's just not doing what I thought he should have done or what I would have liked to have done or what I would have seen or what I could have because I'm trusting the wrong person then. And we start getting frustrated. See, when we start recognizing that my, hand, my life is hid in God's hand, my life is hid in Christ, then what happens has got to be God's will for me. And if it's not, then I need to be saying, okay, Father, which devil do I stop from this happening now? All of a sudden, it's not my wife's fault anymore. It's my fault. <laughs> yes, Jake, you too. <laughs> Because all of a sudden it's me that has to make changes. <laughs> huh? All of a sudden it's not my pastor's fault anymore. I have to take responsibility. Say, okay, God, I have to come before you and find out what do I need to do. And when he starts talking to me, he's going to give me the plan, but then I'm going to have to follow it because if I don't want to follow it, it doesn't matter how much he tells it to me. Come on. See, two things that can keep us from getting out of the boat are pride and unforgiveness. 
Why does pride keep you in the boat? Because I got it. I can do it. It's mine. And unforgiveness. Now these two things will stop more people from receiving the blessings of God than maybe all other things put together. We will never have all that God wants for us until we conquer them. And people excuse themselves by saying, well, that's just how I feel. I can't help the way I feel. The truth is we can help how we feel, but we don't want to do it. <laughs> it's a decision. We are the ones who get to decide whether we're down in the dumps feeling sorry for ourselves over something that happened or whether we choose not to go down that road and let go of that offense. We choose to be prideful or not prideful. We decide to forgive or not to forgive. And yeah, even there, forgiveness can be tough. You don't necessarily just say, I'm going to forgive now, and now it's all gone. Sometimes there's a point of working through that. You choose to forgive, and then you go, okay, Father, and every time those negative thoughts come, you say, Father, I'm not accepting those because I have forgiven. And sometimes you're fine until you meet that person again. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it all comes back again. And you go, okay, I remember exactly. So then you walk away and say, Father, I ask you to bless that person. Especially if they're a Christian. They are one of your children. I ask that you release the gift that you have placed within them, that the body can be built up from that which that joint is going to supply. We pray for that person now, Father. I ask that you bless them abundantly above all that they might think or ask. I ask, Father, that you open doors of opportunity, that you open and tell you, why? What did Jesus say? Bless those that curse you. Do you want that gift destroyed or do you want that gift released into the body? Because the more of those gifts that are released into the body, the better off the whole body is going to be. Now that being said, the Bible also said, as much as is within you, live at peace with all people. There are some people you will never live at peace with. Just don't be angry towards them. Use the Word of God as your weapon against that feeling of resentment or bitterness. And the choice is ours. Now, if you want to see Jesus work in a new way, we have to be ready to do new things. All of us should be growing as Christians. There is always opportunities to go to new levels with God. It is reasonable to say that Peter probably never thought about walking on water until he saw Jesus doing it. In the human realm, it is out of the ordinary, but in the spiritual realm, everything is ordinary with God. It doesn't matter what kind of situation you're facing. If you get out of the boat, Jesus will take you to the other side. But as we learn to live in this time, just think of all the things that you could do by overcoming your fear of taking a risk. You could teach a Bible study, you could teach kids' church, you could visit the sick people, you could pray for them, you could volunteer. In your church, in your community, you could volunteer anywhere. Now you may be thinking, well, I've never done anything like that before, but who cares? It's time to get out of the boat. You can be used of God. What you want so badly is possible. And again, depending what the dream is that God has placed in your heart. 
Whatever area it is where God is saying, this is my best for you, whether it be physical, whether it be financial, whether it be mental, whether it be whatever it is. You know, Pastor Jerry received that list of 10 different things that we received at New Year's Eve. Any of those things is all going to come the same way. But you're going to have to want it. See, some people want peace with their children, their grown children, but only if those grown children are going to listen to everything they do and say and want. No, you're going to have to be willing to say, hey, what can I do here for you? Some people want to live in health, and oh yeah, we got this dream, we're going to be healthy, and But that doesn't mean I have to quit eating cheeseburgers, does it? And fries with gravy and poutine. Just as an aside, it has absolutely no bearing on anything. Well, very little. A number of years ago, I was at a restaurant chain that has a Baconator. (laughs) You seen the calories on those things? We were at another restaurant in the States that I also won't mention the name of, Pastor Jerry and I. We stopped in for a burger on our way through. And I look at the card. After we've ordered, I'm looking at their menu. I says, there is more calories in this burger than either one of us should be eating all day. But that was okay. We finished it off with a strawberry milkshake and fries. (laughs) We haven't been back there since. Back, back. (laughs) Oh, it was so good. (laughs) But, see, when you do get out of ignorance, I'm glad I read the menu after I ordered. (laughs) See, sometimes we need to get knowledgeable about these things ahead of time and say, okay, what do I want? Why? Because if that's part of my desire at this season, then I may have to cut back on some stuff. If I want to get back into the suit that I wore at my wedding, I may have to amputate some things. But (laughs) 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 But we can get closer. What's that? (laughs) I need you to put spandex down every seam. (laughs) We're at the church as a body said. (laughs) But it doesn't matter what kind of situation you're facing. If you get out of the boat, Jesus can take the other side. But as we learn to live in this time, Think of all the things you could overcome, you could do by overcoming your fear of taking risks. You could teach a Bible study. You could teach kids' church. You could visit sick people. You could pray for them. You could volunteer. If you've never done anything like that before, who cares? You can start now. 
Get out of the boat. You can be used of God. Whatever you want so badly is possible. So stop wishing that you were somewhere else and start looking for the possibilities that exist right where you are. Do you want to get out of the boat? Do you want to move? Do you want to live in that destiny? Then you're going to have to let go of some stuff. Your comfort zone. And you're going to have to be willing to push. Because I can tell you right now, and it doesn't matter if this is for business, if this is for finances, if this is for weight, every single person that has accomplished what you're wanting is going to tell you there is no easy way. The diet industry makes billions of dollars a year selling pills that don't make you skinny. There is enough financial counselors out there to sink the Titanic all over again. Why? And they'll all tell you the same thing. There's no easy way. You're going to have to cut back. You want to start a business. You're not, there's no easy way to start a business. Like you don't just, unless maybe, I don't know, maybe if you're born into somebody that has a business and doesn't want it, so they give it to you or something. But usually it's going to take work. You're going to have to build up a reputation. You're going to have to build up clientele. You're going to have to do, pardon me? You're going to have to learn how to run it. But don't lose the principles of the kingdom. What is the principle of the kingdom? If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you have to learn to be a servant of all. How do you be a servant of all running a business? Because the more people you can serve, the more successful your business is going to be. That's why I went into one shop at one point and there was three ladies standing behind the desk talking and one of the says, well, are you wanting something? <laughs> Guess which was my last visit to that shop? I bought what I wanted there that time and told my wife, I said, we're not, we might as well close the church car- charge account there. We're not using it at that place anymore. Why? You might have to learn how to be nice to people. It helps. What do you want? Do you, how badly do you want it? Do you want it badly enough that you are going to be willing to take the steps that have to be taken? Because if you don't, you're dreaming right now. And you will be sitting in 10 years going, I should have, instead of, I, yeah, I can. There's an old saying that says, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Next best time is today. So you can sit there and look back and say, well, 20 years ago I could have and I believe there's some people that are going to hear this message and 20 years later are going to go, oh. And there's going to be some people in 20 years are going to look back and say, wow, that changed my life because I took it. Father, I want to thank you this morning for your word and I want to thank you for the opportunity to deliver this word. Help us to not just be hearers but doers, Father. Help us, each one, to walk forward boldly and strongly into the destiny that you set before us. Not to be held back, not to be turned back, but to live victoriously in your dreams. In Jesus' name, amen.